Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. It's Eric Roberts is the fucking man redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is God's angel Liam O'Donnell. How you doing today, Liam? Hey yo, I'm good. How are you doing, Doug? I'm all right. Liam, do you know where God's angel comes from? No. This might not be right. <laughs> what I'm about to say. I think it might be from Naruto, uh, the uh the anime series, the very popular anime series. Is that right? I don't know that for sure. I might. I, be I've literally that up. watched four episodes of Naruto, so I can't. Okay, really I want you to describe story. each of those episodes in detail, starting with the first one. Um, he's a little ninja guy, right? Is that what? Yeah, he's all he about? lives. He lives in a place where people get trained to be ninjas, and ninjas have different headbands, and he's somehow the. Oh boy! Oh, he's boy. related to some giant <laughs> spirit, like a big six-tailed fox or whatever came, mm. and then he became Naruto somehow, and he wants to be like a. Sorry, when you a, say he became Naruto somehow, what is Naruto? That's the kid, the the ninja kid. He's training. Oh. He's not a ninja yet. He's still in training. He can't learn ninjas in this world do magic or whatever. They have like magic shit they do, and he's not always good at the magic. He's oh, a bit of a, he's a bit of a screw up. up. Okay. Our guest today is a restaurateur chef and Nova Scotian, it's Alan McPherson. How are you doing today, Alan? I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Um, Alan, I'm just going to interrupt you right at the start. What do you know about Naruto? It contains nouns and vowels. Uh-huh. Um, basically, I'm a grown-up man. I read mm. comic books. I don't watch cartoons. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> fair. And I mean, again, we are not criticizing our listeners who love to watch Japanese animation. Japanimation is what I like to call it. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, we, I can't insult our, any of our listeners because we have so few that it would be a real shame <laughs> if we lost any, particularly I, I at mean, this point. Naruto doesn't, have, doesn't seem to have either mind-blowing gore or uh, offensive uh, sexuality. sexuality. So yeah. it's kind of like, what's the appeal? You know what I mean? Maybe it's the story, man. The ninja story. The vibes. Yeah. You ever seen Ninja Scroll, Liam? Oh, God. Yes. That one has, that one has the violence and the sexuality that you were just talking it's about. It's pretty fucked up. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Alan, back to you for a moment. Our guest sure. today. <laughs> Tell me the first time that you ever heard of the actor Eric Roberts, which is back actually what this podcast is about, not Naruto. The very first time. Yeah. If you can remember. Might, might have been. Because I'm old. I'm ancient, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, I know. <laughs> it may have been a Siskel and Ebert, and I don't know if it would have been at the movies or if it would have been sneak previews, reviewing the movie The Coca-Cola Kid. Yes. That mm. might be the very first instance where I became aware of his existence. What did Roger Ebert have to say about The Coca-Cola Kid? Do you remember if it was a positive or negative review? I think they thought it was trashy. If mm. I remember correctly, I remember that was a, one of the first movies as a kid that was not like an overt exploitation film that was clearly too old for me that I had an interest in watching. 
I, uh, I I think I may have mentioned on this very podcast. I'm, in fact, I'm almost certain that I have that when I saw the Coca Cola Kid, the actual movie, not the review by uh, Siskel and Ebert. I think that was my first Eric Roberts, at least my awareness of Eric Roberts being in a film, and it uh, it was packed with nudity and was being shown on the Showcase Television Channel. So I was like a huge fan of it right away. Maybe that's where my what, connection with Eric Roberts really began. Doug, would that happen to have been like recorded on VHS over a free pay per view weekend? I mean, possibly, possibly. Mm. I mean, my family. I would not, almost guarantee it. I mean that 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 is exciting. Now, have you seen the Coca Cola Kid? Oh, not since before my balls dropped. So <laughs> I have no functioning memory. <laughs> a good movie, I would say, especially if you're a fan of uh, uh, the Australian slash New Zealand. I can't remember which one it is that it takes place in, but that sort of whole culture, which was a big deal in the 1980s. So you have not seen the Coca-Cola Kid since before your balls dropped, but you are aware mm -hmm. of it, obviously. What is your idealized or favorite Eric Roberts movie? Oh, I know it's hard. I'm it's so basic. It, don't if I, I say Runaway gonna... Train, am I an idiot? Am no, Runaway Train is a very, very good pick. Very reasonable. It's certainly better than The Dark Knight. Which again, I'm not knocking The Dark Knight as a film or uh, as a franchise. It's just that Eric Roberts doesn't carry that movie. He carries well alongside the <laughs> politically uh, controversial John Voight. John Voight. Runaway Train. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great He's movie. Been... We love Runaway Train. Between that and Pope of Greenwich Village, he really yeah. played second fiddle to people that maybe he shouldn't have been playing second fiddle to. Oh, look, I'm not, I'm not going to knock Mickey Rourke. He gave us the title of this very podcast. Liam, have you ever, did you ever catch up with Runaway Train after? Oh, yeah. In fact, I think we did an episode of Cinepunks about it because of the fact that you had covered it before I got to join this very podcast. Mm, yeah, we, we've managed to cover most of the well-known <laughs> Eric Roberts movies before you ever joined, Liam. Yeah, it's great. What a joy. That's why we're <laughs> left with movies like Royal Kill, uh, the movie that we're going to be talking about on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. But before we do that, we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. <laughs> It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word, and I think you should. Liam, you might remember that not too long ago we were talking about the great Christopher Lloyd on one of our other podcasts, Praising Kane, which is devoted to the life and career of actress Carol Kane. Uh, and we're back to talking about Christopher Lloyd again because back on July 4th, a, a very uh, a, a great day for your nation, uh, July 4th, Eric Roberts tweeted, uh, as a response to Christopher Lloyd posting a photo of himself with another famous actor, Eric Roberts said, you have both been a pleasant surprise for me on location too. Liam, who is this actor that we're looking at right here? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Alan McPherson, so good to have you here today as our mm -hmm. guest. What are your thoughts on the actor Chevy Chase? Um, yeah. I've, I've never seen a movie with Chevy Chase in it that I liked. And I don't understand the appeal. Oh, that is, I mean, that's I, harsh. It's, it's, it's I mean, bold. It's just your opinion. It's bold, but it's honest. 
Yeah, it's honest, and that's what I most appreciate. But it's also a very controversial statement because even though, and this is something that maybe our listeners are already aware of, Chevy Chase has a reputation of being a little prickly. Uh, and by being a little prickly, I mean he's known as a prick. Uh, and most people do not like him as a person, but even mm. those people have to hesitantly but eventually accept the fact that he has done some good movies. But you do not accept that, Alan, not whatsoever. Fletch is close. I love Fletch. But I'm a big I don't Fletch like guy. him in it. Oh, oh, wait, but he may. Anyway, let's mm. hold off on that just for a second. Liam O'Donnell, how about you? Are you the counterpoint on the Chevy <sighs> Chase issue? Oh, oh yeah. No. Just, cl- just clear your fucking throat right before you jump into the conversation. Yeah, I needed to clear it so I could talk clearly. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. If you didn't say anything, you could have just cut it out. Now you got to be a punk ass. Right, I'm going to start <laughs> over. <laughs> You started over and you did the clearing. Yeah, because I want to be ready. <laughs> now I'm going to have to do it quite again. Your phlegm production must be like next level. <laughs> you have no idea. No, uh, no, I do have some idea. I'm the one who edits it out want, of every no. podcast we do together. Nope. Still still doesn't still doesn't stand up to the amount of phlegm. Okay. You know, I, I don't think I can be a total counterpoint. I do think he has been in some good movies. For me personally, I enjoy, uh, well, enjoy. I appreciate <laughs> Caddyshack, right? Um, I'm sure there's other movies he's been in that I think are okay. But as far as, uh, you know, the the classic, you know, f- for people of my age, mm-hmm. I think he's held up as, you know, one of the more important comedic voices of the 80s. No, thank you. I think he's a bit overrated. I don't. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's never been anything good. Um, I'm sure he has been, and there's definitely stuff where, if I was less put on the spot, I might be able to think of. But like, for example, I'm not a big Fletch fan. Actually, I think it's fine, but I don't. I love it. I don't I love, love it. I, I'm, I'm just kind of like eh, it's fine. Um, How about the Three Amigos? You, you a fan of the Three Amigos? I do like the Three Amigos, but again, I don't know that he's the strongest element of the Three Amigos for me personally. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't think he's I, – I, I just think, Alan, you seem it, to really dislike him. I'm not going to go I, that far. Even knowing that he's a dick, I'm not going to hold that against him. But do I think that he makes a movie just by being in, in it? I don't think that's true at all. And I certainly don't understand people for whom he was the best part of community. That's a psychotic viewpoint no, that I cannot that, support. No, that can't exist. Those people cannot exist. They do. <laughs> I know bots. people who feel that way, yeah. <laughs> Alan, what about the uh, National Lampoon's Vacation series of films? Never warmed up to them. You know, in uh, our country, and I guess now uh, internationally, that Christmas Vacation movie has started to become like a yearly tradition for a lot of people. Not a fan of the Christmas Vacation? I I think I might be poisoned to anything kind of Christmas tradition-y movie thing because they usually wind up being played nonstop in my house, yeah. even when people aren't in the room with the TV on. Interesting. And is what? just this sort of mosquito-like buzzing in my head that kind of drives me somewhat insane. All right. All right. I can understand but that. My thing with – I just don't find Mr. Chase's – I don't see the charisma. I don't see I, – I, He used to fall down not, on SNL. He, used to be he like, made very goofy faces. Yeah. But he would also he would like do that fall, big smile. fall over and he would fall down the stairs and whatnot. Mm. I like seeing people hurt themselves. So there is there is that. You might be bringing me around. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's hurt his own career pretty significantly, too, by saying some really unpleasant things to people of power, right? And now mm. he's not powerful anymore, and he's a dried-up, stinky old man. What do you think about that? 
I think they need to have the comedy wing of the inter- intellectual dark web, and he can front it. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> Alan, remember when uh, was, this is about a month ago, uh, maybe a little bit more. There were these wealthy people who went into a submersible craft into the water to look at the uh, ruins and remains of the Titanic uh, like crash site. It's a mm. it's sinking site, right? And, right, uh, right, right. They all died. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember something about that. Yeah, it was kind of big news for for that time. Liam, mm. some people got a little upset if you uh, took, not necessarily even pleasure in it, but just said, like, if you were not necessarily so sympathetic to the idea of these rich people uh, dying in a very foolish manner. What do you think about that? I understand that it is unpleasant sometimes to admit when you find the death of another human being amusing. It is definitely unpleasant. However, I think the folks who were aghast at the idea were being dramatic because the reality is the level of resentment that we have against folks who have all of this money and resources is already an issue. But then when those people do the dumbest things, there's two things going on there. One is it's hard not to say, look at how stupid it was for them to get in this terrible submarine, which by the way, there had been lots of, of, of reports about how unsafe this fucking thing was, right? This guy was a real fucking grifter and had known for a while that this thing was was terribly unsafe uh, and acted like he had invented something new when other people had actually already figured this shit out. Uh, but he, he had to do his own goddamn thing. And he went as far to say that the two other folks who had gone as deep as he wanted to go were amateurs, which is not real because, one... James Cameron worked with people who were scientists. He didn't just do it himself. And the other guy was legitimately a scientist. So it's, again, no, neither of them were amateurs. So uh, so I already have this whatever. But there's also a, a more negative aspect, Doug, where these are folks who have all of the power and authority in the world, and they're this stupid. You kind of have to make humor out of it just to avoid even further resentment. Because when you realize that some of the people with all the privilege in the world are not smart enough not to get into a ceramic tube and explode, it makes you even more angry. You know what I'm saying? So the humor is kind of better than I think some of the responses you could have. Back on June 26th, a user on Twitter named Barnacules Nerdgasm he wrote Stockton Rush, who was the owner, I guess, of the company that sent these people down. Stockton Rush earned his Darwin Award. The four other people he tricked into accepting it with him didn't. History will remember him as the arrogant, reckless idiot he was and not the innovator he pretended to be. Hashtag OceanGate, hashtag submarine, hashtag Stockton Rush. And Eric Roberts commented on this and said, hashtag Stockton Rush is like a combination of Bernie Madoff and a school shooter who kills trusting people and takes his own life. Couldn't be further wow. from any. I know. Couldn't be further from any kind of hero or inspiring human being. Alan, controversial words by Eric Roberts comparing <laughs> this man to a combination Bernie Madoff and school shooter. Liam, obviously, I think he argued his point very well. What do you think about the rich and their ability to go underwater to see the ruins of the Titanic? They should do it more. Yeah. 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 Is that it? Uh, Anything else? Can, to I, add? can I? Can I add one little bit of? Uh, to this story too please isn't talked about as much apparently one of the reasons why he was developing the submersible technology that the whole point was to do it 
that it could be function quicker, faster, and be cheaper to manufacture mm-hmm. wasn't just to run exotic tourist destinations. That the ultimate plan, I guess, was to uh, sell to oil and gas companies for exploration and oh, do yes. fracking on the ocean floor. Mm-hmm. Huh. So double plus five. So at least his motivations were good. <laughs> oh no, yeah, exactly. He, he talked. He talked <laughs> extensively about this experience he had going underwater. He built his own submersible uh, as just a fun thing to do, and he went on his first ride in a submersible. He built. Now, to be fair, he built it out of a kit. He didn't build build it from scratch. And he kit. went underwater, and he saw the ocean, and he thought, "Wow, it's crazy. We don't own this yet." Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating. That's what he said. He called the ocean. An unexploited business resource that we must use for the best business purposes as soon as possible, as if we weren't already destroying the ocean for business purposes. So this guy was a fucking monster through and through. And while I don't have that much sympathy for the people he tricked into getting into his death tube, um, I have no sympathy for him because he really was a, a grifter, a megalomaniac, and a dude who really inflated himself in his own mind. Well, he deflated himself at the anyway. Uh, Alan, uh, Alan, I do have a quick question for you. The mm. Titanic, did it sink off the coast of Nova Scotia or off the coast of Newfoundland? Off the coast of Newfoundland. Okay. I, I, I was kind of hoping that we'd have a little argument there. But yes, you're correct. But also... But we've got the cemetery. Yeah, well, I know. That's, that is a thorn in my side that you guys get that wonderful Titanic cemetery. <laughs> So anyway, Liam, what we're trying to say is that all of these events that we're talking about happened quite close, you know, on a global scale to uh, to both Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. Liam, would you ever go down to see the remains of the, the Titanic? Are you a Titanic guy? You no, guy I'm, who likes I'm the good. Titanic? No, I'm good. You could find the heart of the ocean. Also, Canadians are weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alan, mm-hmm. Alan, any thoughts on the late actor Treat Williams? Uh, he was a, a, a prince of the city. That's right. He was in Prince of the City. Good and movie. I, yeah, I've, I've always, I don't treat Williams as fine. He's just never like somebody I would seek out. But when he would show up, I would not be displeased. He was one of those guys that you always kind of figured would be around. You know, he'd just hmm. pop up here and there. I always figured, you know, he'll show up in a, in the same way that, that uh, Christopher Nolan cast Eric Roberts. And who's the other actor I'm thinking of? <laughs> Tom Berenger. <laughs> that Treat Williams could show up in a movie like that. Why not? People had very nice things to say about him uh, after his recent, very sad and sudden passing. Eric Robertson was included in that, who said, here was a guy who proved that kindness, talent, and success could go hand in hand. He was a genuine inspiration. Liam, were you a treat head? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I was never unhappy to see him in something. Um, he just was very reliable. Yeah, a reliable actor like uh like our uh, eric roberts he would we, should we do a treat williams themed podcast i don't know actually i don't know that that would be a great idea you Why just want to watch things to do in denver when you're dead again <laughs> look steve semi's in that so we're eventually going to get that oh anyway. you have to <laughs> yeah we actually have to watch that though we did not make a uh, blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Steve Buscemi. We're actually just doing it for our own pleasure. But uh, Liam, why, why would you be hesitant to start a years-long Treat Williams-themed project? Too many variables. Too many variables. How do you mean? Like in terms of the earth? I mean in the terms of the different kinds of movies we might have to watch. Oh. I don't know that oh, okay. I would enjoy all of the movies. Liam, back God, on it's June 3rd. a lot 30- of fucking movies. Holy shit. 
Yeah, well, I mean, frankly, we're in... Not Eric Roberts level, but... (laughs) Not Eric Roberts level. And this might surprise you. Eric Roberts just keeps fucking making movies. They're just coming. They're coming and coming and coming and coming. Back on June 3rd, Eric Roberts tweeted, Even though we have concerns about the effects of alcohol on people, we have deeper concerns about the effects of hate on people. Anheuser-Busch, please keep treating all people with kindness and respect. Haters can buy their beer elsewhere. There's more to success than sales. Now, I might be wrong on some of the details on this, but this has to do with the commercials featuring a trans uh, model, I believe, uh, for Miller Lite. Is this? No, Bud Light it is, right? And then there was a large campaign by uh, right-wing conservative people to boycott it because they hate diversity. And then they got really angry and they were like talking about how they're just going to stop drinking this beer. And probably uh, they all switched to a beer that was also owned by Anheuser-Busch. Am I right about most of the details on this, Liam? I think that's right. Yeah. So, um, Alan. <laughs> yes. What's your uh, What's your drink of choice? Uh, I'm more of a wine drinker than oh, fancy pants beer drinker. Mm-hmm. That's what they call me. Actually, yeah, yeah. They walk into the liquor well, convention. Like, oh, fancy pants is here. So. You are learned in the way of food. That is one thing that we we uh, briefly established during your introduction. So, for someone like me. Not someone like Liam, as who has a long, we've established, is straight edge, does not partake in alcohol whatsoever. Uh, I occasionally still do, but I'm not really much of a wine drinker. So what should uh-huh. I do about that? How should I start in this wine game? Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> focus on well, what sort of beverages do you like? Oh, uh, chocolate milk. Um That's pretty much it. I like water. That's pretty much, that's pretty good, though. Like, yeah. You got that covered. Um, so you like richer, smoother things to be. I like with. rich and smooth, absolutely. So like Greg probably... <laughs> Yeah, I would recommend you start off with a lower alcohol red wine that maybe has more of like what you would call coffee or cocoa notes to it mm. than something that would be what they call what they would call a fruit bomb. Oh. I mean, that sounds terrifying, but also delicious. Well, if you'd like, uh, it was a style that was really popular in the 90s, 2000s, where just oh. everything tasted like berries a and throwback. cherries. A throwback. Mm. Hipster, retro yeah. cool. That's it. I'm, you know what? I'm a person of the early 90s. I can get down with this fruit bomb. Um, Alan, do you like watching television? Very rarely. Very rarely, but you do like watching movies, I understand. I do like watching movies. You prefer movies to TV? As a general rule. Well, Eric Roberts watches a lot of limited series on television, and he says the thing that's a drag with these limited series is that they have no predetermined future, and they leave us hanging on a cliff, and it all seems so real. (laughs) Then, if they're not picked up, you're left wondering what happened to your friends and enemies forever. So, I mean, I know you don't watch a lot of TV, Alan, but you ever watch any of these limited series? Oh, that tension that Eric brings up is why I don't. I just can't bear it. It would be from high school ever again if shows went on. But no. Uh, yes, if I'm going to watch television, it probably will be something that has a hard out. Right. A, a beginning, middle, and end. Because otherwise, it could just get dragged on. It could be like me. I got uh, sucked into watching. Remember that TV show, The Walking Dead, about the zombies? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, like I watched uh, like a few seasons of that. And uh, it, I think it just ended like last year or maybe even earlier this year. Um, but I stopped watching it because it felt like it would go on forever. And it kind of did. That's insane. 
Yeah, it is insane. And it, it's, I mean, admittedly, in that case, I didn't have to wonder what happened to my friends and enemies forever because it did eventually. And actually, now that I think about it, it's not really similar to what he was talking about at all. No, that's very different. Okay, but even if something has an end, yes, unless the end is, you know, a global catastrophe, you're still going to be wondering what happened to your friends and enemies, correct? That's true. That's true. Because there's still a story, and there could be a sequel series or a prequel mm. series, right? Just because no, you that's... don't get to see the ending doesn't mean there's still not these characters still are out there and mm. the Imaginarium. That, that's right. Of Doctor Parnassus, uh, Liam. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. That's what the Beatles had to say. Do you agree? Uh, okay, sure. Liam, you ever watch any of these limited series? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Do you agree with what Eric Roberts has to say when the, they get they're, they're, uh, they have no predetermined future, so you never know what's going to happen. They might get canceled, and it'll be like that uh, TV series Carnival where they had this big old plan, but then it just got canceled and it was hard to get invested in the show. I, it is true that when I have not managed to start a series and I found out it was canceled before it was meant to be canceled, I will often not start the series. However, um, I do think a, a series that has a planned out is preferable to me Uh than a series that just goes on and on and on and on. You know what I mean? So, like, I think saying limited series isn't really right. A limited series is a series that has a planned ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a continuing series that's the problem because then you're just on the whim of economics. And so the show just ends whenever they're not willing to pay for it anymore. And I think that's more of a that's that's more of my issue. Whereas something where it's like, yeah, three seasons and we're done. That can be great, actually, because hopefully if they've planned properly, the when it ends, you feel good. You feel like you've gotten a complete story, and that's great, you know? Yeah, this has been sort of a controversial topic right recently because Netflix has been canceling a lot of their original series uh, kind of unceremoniously, even when they're doing well, or at least as well as we know that they're doing because Netflix doesn't, as, as, <laughs> as the strike is partially about right now, does not really report a lot of their numbers. But uh, that was one of the reasons, Liam, that my wife wouldn't watch Deadwood with me. Because for a very long time, it didn't have an ending. She knew it didn't have an ending. So she was like, well, I don't want to watch something that doesn't have a proper ending. But then they made the movie a couple of years ago, the Deadwood movie, to, to kind of polish everything off. She has not yet watched Deadwood, Liam. What do you think about that? I've never seen it, so I don't It's I don't so really good. I fucking love Deadwood. How about you, Alan? You seem like a Deadwood guy to me. I've never watched Deadwood. What? Because... <laughs> I'll tell you what, there was a kitchen I worked at when that show was on where everyone there was completely obsessed with it. And they were, everyone was like quoting each other bits and laughing uproariously and kept telling me, no, you have to watch it. Oh, you didn't want to participate in the thing people were enjoying. I, yes, exactly. I, someone had to be level-headed and rational. There needed to be a grown-up. Alan, there's a television show. It's not a limited series. It's a continuing show. It's called The Bear. And it's about restaurants. Oh. My Now, I haven't watched it. I know Liam is a big bear fan. Is that right, Liam? That is correct. How about that, Alan? Now, this is something that should be directly in your wheelhouse. But I also find that when people make a television show or a movie that is about a profession and that you're a person who has either worked or is working in that profession, it can be a little irritating when they get something wrong. What do you think about the bear? I haven't watched, and I probably won't. Um, oh. Not that I have anything particularly against um, that 
setting as the basis of a show. I just don't necessarily like programs where the setting is the show. Mm. And uh, so there are definitely like restaurant based dramas and things that I really enjoy. And I think John, John well. Favreau's chef. You like that one? Oh, no, no. Oh, <laughs> God help me. I'm just throwing that, it out that, there. That movie's done so much damage to my, my industry. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like stabbing people in the throat with a with whatever I have on hand. And even times people start cooking with love or cooking from the heart. Uh, no. How dare they? That's not how it works. That's not how this works. <laughs> Liam, do you say like, yes, chef, no chef, when people like uh, are talking to you these days? Is that what happens in that show? Uh, yes, I do that all the time. Liam, Academy Award and three-time Golden Globe nominee Eric Roberts discusses role in new William Faulkner documentary. This is about the upcoming film Faulkner, the past is never dead, which is uh, speaks about the life and work. Hey, life and work. I like that. Of the controversial American writer and Nobel Prize laureate ahead of its international screening at the Galway Film Festival. A film. Why does it say not festival? It says fleed. What's that mean, Liam? Fleed. I believe that's a typo. It could be a typo. So this is Eric Roberts. He talked a little bit about uh, starring as William Faulkner in this upcoming documentary, shedding light on the complex life legacy and opposing views of the late author. This is what Eric Roberts had to say. I said, <clears throat> he said, I was approached several years ago about being a part of this film and playing what I believe to be one of the most provocative characters of all time. Controversial characters are the consummate challenge for any actor. And after deciding to portray Faulkner, I became excited about depicting this man whom I share many similarities. We were both born as white males in Mississippi, both pursued careers in the arts, and both became recognized for our work with words. <laughs> Sorry. That's uncanny. I never they realized. They are somewhat similar. It's why yeah. people constantly compare the two. <laughs> I just but assumed no... William Faulkner was his gnome de plume, and it was Eric yeah, Roberts right. the whole time. That's right. But no no matter how much it sounds like I admire him or his work, I abhor his antiquated views. Eric Roberts being careful with how he describes and compliments the uh, the man, William Faulkner. Now, I have to say, I'm not really a Faulkner guy. I have not read a lot of his work. How about yourself, Liam? We did talk about him briefly, I believe, when we uh, were discussing Barton Fink, but only very briefly. Yeah, I think I've read a, one or two things, but not a lot. All right. So what do you think about him? Seems all right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> See, Alan, this is the problem. Liam and I, we're not learned, even though, uh, you know, we're somewhat educated, but we just don't have the chops. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on William Faulkner? Who I have not read anything of since first year university. So I'm, I'm kind of with Liam on this one. I think we have a consensus. That he's good, right? We he's, like he's him. He's kind of okay, yeah, I guess. You looking forward to this documentary, Faulkner, The Past is Never Dead? Why is it debuting in Galway? Be, gotta, See, this gotta is fishy. Debut somewhere. This, mm, I don't know. I, I smell a rat. Well, I mean, you might say that, but of course, the film Blackbird, starring the great Michael <laughs> Flatley, that notoriously, uh, it, it, where did it, hold on, I got to think about it. Not Barcelona. Where, what am I thinking of? Monaco, the Monaco Streaming Festival. That's where oh, that one yeah. debuted. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so good things uh, come in small packages. <laughs> Eric Roberts joins psychological horror pick Down Below from filmmaker Spider Dabrowski. <laughs> Academy Award nominee, this is from Deadline.com. Academy Award nominee Eric Roberts from Babylon. 
<laughs> recently featured on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast, has been set to star opposite Hutch Dano and Christopher Livingston Ooh. in Down Below, a psychological horror film from director Spider Dabrowski that is currently in production. The plot centers around a young sheriff and a criminal suspect who find their lives intertwined when both become haunted by a sinister force on Christmas Eve, your least favorite holiday, uh, Alan. Roberts portrays a highly intelligent police psychologist who's having a tough time with his current patient, a cop who was recently suspended for an act of violence on a civilian. Picks being produced by High Stake Entertainment. Uh, Alan, uh, what are your thoughts on the police? (laughs) (laughs) They're just great. They're just great. Yeah, they're good. They're like they're like William Faulkner. They're okay. Yeah, but they're also <laughs> yeah. like William Faulkner, uh, controversial. Uh, they Liam, uh, not Liam. Uh, Eric Roberts says I abhor his antiquated views. That's what he was talking about. William Faulkner, do you abhor the con- the antiquated views of the police system, the state, oh, as it were? Oh, and they're the modern iterations of that too. Actually, mm. that's um, yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. a safe bet. <laughs> I just want to get you down on record with your thoughts on the police. Uh, just say something controversial about your thoughts on just 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 fuck them. Yeah, fuck those just, guys. Just fuck those an guys. original thought. Fuck those police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm gonna I'll go one back. Just to be really controversial, fuck the fire department too. Hey now, hey now. What are they, no, that, no, just I'm just being contrary because everyone always makes the joke. Nobody ever says that's nobody true. wrote a song called "Fuck the Fire Department." Yeah, but I'm just like I don't know. Why not? I mean, that's fair enough. Liam, a uh, cop who was recently suspended for an act of violence on a civilian. That's what this movie is about, I guess. I mean, that's not really what it's about. But that seems like a likely thing to happen, don't you think? Sure. Yeah, the cops are, are, are doing that. What do you think about this uh, a person haunted by a sinister force on Christmas Eve, this down-below picture? What do you think about that? I mean, uh, we're all very familiar with the work of Spider Dabrowski. And yeah. Yeah. This- I think his name carries this project forward. Really, you're being uh, uh, you're being a little silly. I think uh, <laughs> a little cheeky. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know anything about this. Does this sounds like uh, you know? I, I'm sure you'll be covering this in your Tubi column on Twitter or wherever. Oh yeah, you're not on Twitter anymore. Oh no. Uh, if you <laughs> I've were only still been banned on, for all time. Thank if you, you were still much. on Twitter, <laughs> and maybe you'll do it on Blue Sky. Who knows? Uh, when you were posting your Tubi, this seems like the kind of thing that Tubi would drop a, a couple hundred. It for. is funny you mentioned that because Spider Dabrowski was the writer of the Tubi original Teardrop, yeah. released in 2022, the all-time hit smash. It says here on his uh, IMDb profile, uh, he was uh, responsible for Tubi's breakout horror western film Teardrop. It's the one that you keep hearing about, Teardrop. I hear good things. Also, I am uh, still posting my Tubi column over at our Cinema Smorgasbord twitter feed at cinema smorg sm oh man what do all the uh nazis and bots think of your column are they stoked on it yeah they love it liam what do you think about (laughs) speaking of controversial figures what do you think about eli roth not a fan not a fan of the uh director of cabin fever remember that cabin fever Uh uh-huh uh and he appeared in the uh, inglorious bastards the quentin tarantino film and even directed a portion of it sure so uh, Eli Roth, a, a very uh, beloved figure in the horror community. How about you, Alan? Are you a big Eli Roth guy? I, 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 I was trying to come up with a Roth fan pun. No, I can't say that I am. Um, he epitomizes the dude bro jerk off mentality that you see mm. in the horror genre sometimes. That's right. And, he is uh, a broy douche. That's how I would mm, describe him. And apparently he fucked the internet. So. Yeah. 
Also, I've heard some rumors about him maybe being not the greatest person in the world. Unbelievable. I I don't trade on rumors, Alan. That's not what I'd like to trade on, but uh, believably so, I think, in regards to Eli Roth. Well, Eli Roth currently is uh, producing and uh, hosting a television show called The Legion of Exorcists on the Travel Channel. Obviously, doing very well. Yeah, between that and his uh, film... Uh, of Borderlands, which he's been thrown off of. Obviously, his career is doing well. On June 15th, however, Eric Roberts appeared on an episode of this Legion of Exorcists, a show that details terrifying stories of demonic possession from cursed objects inflicting harm to complete human body takeovers. Eric appears as a character named Father Moore in the episode entitled Demonic Invitation, the third episode of the six-episode series. I have to say, I hate to call Eric Roberts a hypocrite, (laughs) But here he is appearing in a limited six-episode series. <laughs> the episode Demonic Invitation. Uh, but anyway, I, I, have, I have yet to see this show. How about you, Alan? You don't watch a lot of TV. You're going to check out The Legion of Exorcists. I, I, is, is it on Tubi? Not yet, but I would say inevitably. This sounds... Okay, so I... I have this sort of division of things I will watch. There are the things that I will watch to pay attention to. And then there are the things that I throw on while I'm working out. And Legion of Exorcist sounds perfect (laughs) for that. That'll motivate you to, to, (laughs) to pump those muscles to really get the pop on, get those muscles popping. You want to, you want the swole on to fight the satanic object. Liam, you're a, uh, actually both of you have studied religion, uh, in, in various forms. And this, uh, that's the thing about an exorcist, right? Is that it's very kind of uh, tied in with religion. What do you think about that, Liam? Do you think that exorcists uh, provide a useful service? Uh, no. Why is that? What about when people get possessed? Uh, no. By Satan or a demon of some sort. No, I'm, I'm not really into that, Doug. You get, you get possessed by Paz de la Huerta. Cool. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, that's one opinion. Alan, uh, what do you think? Exorcist, uh, yay or nay? Uh, I, I'd give that a nay. Um, no? Okay. Yeah. The, although I'd, I'd be curious. There are some movements to try to reinvigorate religious traditions in a secular world. Right. And, and you know, there's there are like the American Atheist Association and things like this are trying to create... Um, the kind of community for (laughs) just don't dial them. If your car breaks down, it won't work work as well, but, um, but I, I'm trying to imagine what a secular exorcist might be like recently added to the ever expanding Eric Roberts filmography is the upcoming horror film may day seven previously titled zombies on a plane. Uh, it's described as a flight for a billionaire. His wife and daughter becomes a hellish ordeal when the plane is overtaken by zombies it is directed by Michael Paré. Yes, the actor Michael Paré, who, according to the IMDb, has appeared in 23 different projects with Eric Roberts. He, of course, also starred in Eddie and the Cruisers and Streets of Fire. It's got a hell of a cast, including Eric Roberts as the billionaire Richard Carrington, Tara Reid, Michael Paré himself, Coolio, the late Coolio was here, uh, as well as many others. Uh, and yes, Coolio, despite having passed away in 2022, is in this upcoming film. 
It was written by the prolific producer Shalom Gelt, who has a fascinating list of credits, including producing that terrible Gotti film with uh, John Travolta from a few years back, writing on the Jean-Claude Van Damme series Jean-Claude Van Johnson, also appearing on both the recent Magnum P.I. and Hawaii Five-O series, and having written a very, very similar project called Stealth Force Z. That one is directed by Tara Reid, and the plot summary for that is, it follows the President of the United States along with her key staff, who are on a flight back to Washington, D.C., when they receive news that a zombie apocalypse caused by a new vaccine is rapidly spreading throughout the country, and that one has an even crazier cast, including Tara Reid, Yasmeen Bleeth, Dennis Rodman, Coolio once again, the great Ken Shamrock, as well as the insane clown posse playing zombies. Alan, are you going to check out both Stealth Force Z and uh, Mayday Z, a.k.a. Zombies on a Plane? I... Maybe simultaneously. I feel like they're connected in more than just their title and writer. I feel like maybe... I think there's some world building going on. Yes. Coolio uh, appears as Veep as the vice president in the latter film, but plays a uh, secret agent man, it says. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's his actual name. (laughs) He he actually... It it says that he plays Coolio slash secret agent man. Uh, But, I mean, I guess the big question is, even though this is not the film that stars Eric Roberts, you interested in seeing the insane clown posse playing zombies? That's extremely interesting. It's a stretch for them. Yeah. They like that shit. They like... uh... The dead don't whoop whoop. That's right. That's what I keep hearing. That should be the title of it. The dead don't <laughs> Ken Shamrock is the Secretary of State. Boy. Uh, wow. Liam, Liam, are you excited about this uh, Zombies on a Plane twofer? Sure, yeah. Let's say yes. Liam, you don't seem too enthusiastic about these movies generally. No, everything has sounded bad so far on this episode. Well, I will say that I did not mention one of the people who appears in Mayday Z, and this might pique your interest a little bit. It's another dead person. It's Khosro Vaziri, the late Iron Sheik. Man, they're just going to... How? Yeah, cool. Sounds great. Well, I, I bring him up because he was a professional wrestler, Liam. And there's a professional wrestling link to the movie that we're going to be talking about today, Royal Kill. In fact, a couple of professional wrestling links. And that's one of the reasons Alan is here as well, because he's an enthusiast. He's going to tell us all about some of those featured players. But were you sad, uh, Alan, to hear about the death of the Iron Sheik? I I fully admit that I was. Yeah. His his presence was always a nice, comforting one to have. And and sort of, in those later years, an endless source of entertainment. Yeah, that guy is wild. A wild character, this Iron Sheik. Uh, and, you know, re- really a representative of the American dream. Um, and when you think about <laughs> being a foreign oh. heel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Making his fame and fortune by being hated for being foreign. <laughs> I mean, what's more American than that? Mm. Liam, are you going to watch uh, Stealth Force Z? I mean, I don't think I have a choice, right? Wrong, wrong. Oh, that was the I, other one. It's the, that was uh, the other one. I played a little joke trickster, on you there. You little trickster. Yeah, you do have a you have a choice. But are you going to watch Mayday Z? Yes, yes, because we made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, which includes the film Mayday Z, but does not include the film Stealth Force Z, which I have to say I might still check out because I want to see the insane clown posse playing zombies. Liam, am I a bad person for wanting that? You just want to know how magnets work. Yeah. How do how do they work? A uh, very, a very uh, modern reference, a very up to date reference we're making here on. Oh yeah, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Redux, Liam, and Alan, let us take a break. When we return, it's time. We need to talk about 2009's Royal Kill. 
You know, the ones with John luc Picard, the guy who's the captain. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Well, John luc Picard is bald. Now, haven't you ever thought, why is this guy bald? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're like 1,000 years into the future, and the guy's bald. I mean, wouldn't they have come up with some kind of ointment or something to uh, cure baldness by then? Wait, you losing hair, alligator. What? I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> is it, uh, is it receding in the... When a female assassin is sent to the U.S. to kill the last living heir to the modern Himalayan kingdom, a royal soldier is also sent to protect her. When he is face-to-face -face with the assassin, his duty to the kingdom becomes compromised. As they battle, secrets are uncovered, and the line between good and evil is erased. Only one mission can be completed, and only one person can survive. It's Royal Kill from the year 2009, a.k.a. Ninja's Creed, uh, which is its kind of honestly more well-known title, even though there are no ninjas in this movie whatsoever. This was written and directed by Bob Ahmed, uh, who also has produced videos for the International Monetary Fund and World Bank on topics such as global aging and urban development. Uh, he is also the writer and director of 2021's Tikkun Olam, a short narrative film about the encounter of an eight-year-old boy and a homeless veteran in Washington, D.C. This film also takes place in Washington, D.C., but I think it has a slightly different thematic element. It, of course, stars Eric Roberts as dad, the great Gail Kim, the, the uh, professional wrestler, as Nadia, La Lane, who was on uh, Lizzie McGuire, the TV show Lizzie McGuire, and this was Pat Morita's final film as the exhibition manager. I'm sure we'll be talking about him in just a little bit. He actually died in 2005, uh, and this uh, film didn't come out until 2009, which suggested that it had a lengthy post-production, uh, which is very easy to believe when you watch the goddamn thing. But not to poison any of your thoughts on it, let's start with our guest today, Alan McPherson. What did you think, generally, about Royal Kill? What the hell was anyone thinking? <laughs> Be kind of, if I had to like put a nutshell, if we don't want to get a, like, it's, it's to give honest impressions without giving, getting into any of the spoilery type things, which I don't know if you want to hold off on. Let's but, hold off on the big twist, which we are going to talk about. Now, and that's another thing, listeners, is that this movie includes a really big twist, one that completely colors and recolors your, uh, your, your, your thoughts on everything that you saw that came before, not necessarily in a positive way, but like, uh, how about let's simplify it without getting into the meat of the twist, Alan. Did you like it? Did you like no. this movie? No. 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 Did you it didn't say it all. It's like... my, brain, my brain is like, uh, I think I've kind of wrapped it. It's derivative of so many different things very poorly, mm -hmm. but also likes to flop around from which thing it is being derivative of at any one time. Right. And to the point where you click and, oh, this is going, we're into Terminator knockoff now. And almost immediately it, you get the come with me if you want to live, or, or I think they box the order of it. It gets yeah. dropped like right at that time. It's, yeah, it, it, it's infuriating and boring. Mm, infuriating and boring, says Alan McPherson. Just to explain the plot just a little bit before I get over to Liam's thoughts. Eric Roberts is just an ordinary guy, and he's raising Jan, his daughter. But his daughter is really the heir to this Himalayan kingdom. Uh, and she doesn't even know about it. She doesn't know that she has this, this background. And what happened is that Nadia, played by Gil Kim, she's been sent to murder his daughter, and we also have the great Alexander Wraith playing a character named Adam Arthavan. And Adam, he's being sent to protect her. So it is like the Terminator, right? There's a, a, a dangerous killer who's out to kill this young girl. And we have another guy who's out there to protect her. And really, I should have mentioned Adam earlier, or I should say I should have mentioned Alexander earlier, because he's really the star 
of this film, as we'll get into in just a little bit. Liam, what did you think of Royal Kill? It's bad. It's really fucking bad. I hate that I can say without any um, hyperbole that it, it's it's not the worst movie we've seen for this podcast. Not even close, really. I wouldn't it's make the a top fucking, five. Makes this a curse of a podcast. But yes. that being said, um, hopefully people have listened to this podcast enough to know uh, it's still a very bad movie. It might be the worst movie I've watched this year, mm. you know, since it became 2023. Uh, and it's bad for a number of reasons. Um, I know we're not going to talk about the big spoiler yet, but the way the the way the big twist happens feels like almost compensating for how bad the beginning of the movie is. Uh, because it really feels like at some point someone said, hey, this shit's not working. Let's come up with another way <laughs> to resolve this movie because it, it just doesn't work the way it is. Um, it is ostensibly an action movie. Right. Very little action. Uh, and then you find out at, at a certain point that what little action there is is maybe not happening. I don't want to spoil it yet. I don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> kind of feels like you're already jumping into those spoilers. I can't help it. It just makes me so bad. Um there's a lot of things at the beginning that feel like you're watching an even lower production movie than you thought you were that then turn out to be uh, clever. We're being clever. It's, I yeah. guess that's what it is, is. It's a movie that is poorly made, poorly conceived, with a, with a really not compelling central idea that thinks it's really fucking clever. And so what could have been a not enjoyable, but at least endearing in its effort, bad action movie becomes a poorly executed bad action movie that that's like, by the way, I'm really fucking smart. And you're like, no, you're not. Fuck you. That's how I felt about it. it the first hour of this movie is shot in a very, very unusual way because it's constantly trying to not give away the fact that this twist is going to happen. And after the twist happens, you're like, oh, that's why it was like that. So we made something that looked terrible for an hour <laughs> so we could set up a twist <laughs> that is terrible. And then there's still a half hour left afterwards, which is just, there's nothing that happens for another half hour. Uh, I get the feeling watching this that this was a really patchy filmmaking process that put this together. And that, that's not just because Pat Morita died four years before it was actually released. Um, it's notable that our two most famous actors on display here, Pat Morita and Eric Roberts, they never interact with any of the other cast. Uh, it is very, very easy to tell that they were not filmed at the same time. You see them just talking to the camera and then it'll switch to the different angle where the lighting isn't quite the same. Uh, and that's like the hallmark of a bring in an actor for a day, get their scenes locked down, and then figure it out after the fact. And there's a lot of figuring it out after the fact. To be totally honest, I'm not sure I still fully understand the fucking twist in this movie. We will talk about it in just a minute. But before we get into that, I want to talk about some of these performances, starting with Alexander Wraith playing Adam Arthavan, one of the few movies where the person's real name is actually a lot cooler than his character's name. Uh, he is the ex-husband, not this character, the actual person, Alexander Wraith, is the ex-husband of one of Clint Eastwood's children. Uh, fairly successful actor-director in his own right, was recently on the superhero series Naomi and has been a regular on Orange is the New Black and directed the movie Fury of the Fist and the Golden Fleece in 2018. Uh, sticking with you, Liam, what did you think of Alexander Wraith in this movie? Bad. He's really, really bad. 
it's I, I, again, I, I'm, I, I don't want to seem flippant here, but the reality is he doesn't do any acting, really. Or at least there's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to disagree, Liam, but he is literally, yes, he is acting on the screen in front of him. <laughs> But he's not, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those performances. This is just his life. It's not up to code. <laughs> it's just documentary footage. It's just one of those performances where you're like, yeah, you you remembered the lines, I assume. It doesn't Maybe. look like he's reading off a cue card. But, like, come on. It's, there, there's, not, there's not a lot going on emotionally for anyone in this movie in a compelling way. Let's put it that way. In terms of, like, a physical being – if this was kind of like a 90s direct-to-video Albert Pune-style action film, sure, he would be fine. If it was just like one fight after another and him looking kind of stoic and, and growly, that, that would be fine. But the nature of what this film is building towards is that he has to look kind of pensive and having like he has an internal life and pathos. That where his physical performance is not doing anything of that at all. So it's just kind of like you're staring at a guy who's got bonked on the head yeah. is what you get more. <laughs> and his voiceover is just not helping either. Now that is something I wanted to point out. So about 85% of his performance is ADR in this, but it's a weird kind of ADR. It kind of feels like they didn't need to replace a lot of his audio, but they decided to anyway. And I have a theory about it. I, my theory is that, you might notice in his opening voiceover that he's doing this ridiculous accent. I don't know if he's trying to sound British or what. Mm. He's just doing a very bad accent. Every once in a while, throughout the first hour of the movie, he'll say something, and it is not ADR, and he's not doing the accent. But when he does the ADR, generally he is doing the accent. I think they figured out after the fact that they wanted, maybe to, as a way to set up the twist, for him to do this terrible accent. So they had to basically replace every single Everything. one of his lines afterwards. Does not help his performance, I would say. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, I can totally see that. that. That was one of the other, like, just in the first 20. Well, okay, most of the exposition that you get is from that initial voiceover. Right. Which looks like it's going for some pan medieval steampunk Zack Snyder kind of nonsense. It's supposed to, even though this movie takes place in modern day, it definitely is trying to get that kind of high fantasy thing going on. And I have a feeling that that might be how this script was developed. That may have been the original intent of it being like a high fantasy type of story. And then it's like, no, no, no budget for that. So we'll just make it contemporary. It starts out with this, this really big uh, helicopter shot of two people on a horse. Now we never get to see their faces. It is, it might be even stock footage or footage taken from a different film. But what I like most about it is that as these two characters, one of them is supposed to be this Adam character talking to the king or whatever, uh, as they're kind of uh, going along on their horses, you can hear in the audio the scrunching of snow, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, uh, the scrunching of snow, except at the time that you hear it, the, the horses are no longer on snow. <laughs> so you're hearing <laughs> <laughs> crunching of snow as they're walking across rocks and things like that. Look, I don't mean to get into the weeds in regards to the detail, but I noticed it and I wasn't even paying that much attention. <laughs> the, the, that is one of the problems that the film kind of invites you to pick at stuff and be distracted by things because it is glacially slow. Yes. And there's not much action. That's another thing about your, if this was a 90s 
direct a video movie, A, it would have a lot more action, and B, uh, it uh, would not be PG 13, which is another thing that hurts this mm-hmm. movie a lot. <laughs> uh, Liam, you know I'm a proud Canadian, right? I do. You know who else is a proud Canadian? Who? Gail Kim, the actress who plays Nadia, the killer in this movie, and also the person who's on the front cover of the DVD, a person who's uh, in a lot of the advertising for this, uh, Gail Kim, a professional wrestler, a former professional wrestler, and also connects in with our guest today, uh, because Alan, of course, uh, chef, restaurateur, Gail Kim married to the great Robert Irvine. Liam, are you a fan of Robert Irvine? I don't know who that is. Uh, He has had a number of shows on the Food Network. Uh, He's a muscular British man. Uh, with glasses. What was it? Dinner Impossible, or or that was that was called Alan? Restaurant Impossible. Restaurant. Something impossible. was impossible. We know that. Well, Gail Kim, very uh, successful professional wrestler. Actually, I, I, I'm not going to split hairs. She was very good in her role, mm-hmm. especially in the WWE when she first started. She was much better than a lot of the female professional wrestlers of that time period in the WWE specifically. Went on to have a great career in the unfortunately named TNA promotion. Uh, and continues to have a relationship with them uh, to this day. Uh, you know, a respectable career and uh, managed to get out without humiliating herself and even married a celebrity chef. What do you think of her performance in this movie, Liam? <laughs> I mean, she's not asked to do a whole lot other than some actiony things and to say cryptic stuff. And Whisper then to be cryptic stuff. And then, and then to be not in the movie is the other thing she's asked to be. <laughs> Which is <laughs> the other part of this? Can, you might even just, say Liam, just, that even when she's in the movie, she's not in the movie. That's fair. That's fair. Can we can we just say what it is? I'm tired of the game. Can all right, we just all right. Say? Let's let us talk about the twist in the movie. Uh, it Both of huge. them. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's talk about the 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 major twist first that we've all been kind of dancing around. And because Liam, you're so excited about it, you explain it to us. Sure. Um, yeah, why don't you explain it into the microphone as opposed to? I was I was yawning when you threw that at me unexpectedly. So maybe don't yawn. Well, in the middle of our uh, podcast, eat my ass. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so the big reveal is that uh, she doesn't exist, and that he is uh, some sort of killer who splits himself up into mentally into two people: the uh-huh. defender of the of the target and the. And the attacker of the target and this young princess he's been defending doesn't exist. She's not a princess, rather. She exists. She's a person. But she's just some random person he picked out. And the maid who gave him the information, she's not real. And the country that he's from is not real. So uh, to sort of help you all out, there's a bunch of paintings or illustrations used at the beginning that made me feel like this was a much lower budget movie than I thought it was. And then the big reveal is that these are from some sort of like, was that a book or a poster he was looking at? I kind of forget. It was weird because uh, it's a painting, I think. And he okay, opens up okay. like a, thing, a rug covering the painting and then it cuts to a really bad insert of what it was supposed yeah. to look like. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, so there's this, the, 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 you know, this whole backstory is all made up and, the the part that I wasn't sure about here towards the end is is the part where he's a killer made up too in the sense of like he's not an assassin he just is picking out his own people and killing them is that part is that My, true I kind of got confused towards okay, the end I'm, I want to this is great we're this is going to be a little group think there you're not wrong for being confused Liam My interpretation is that Pat Morita has been sending his, one of his security guards he has 
fucked up his brain somehow uh, and has made him kind of split into these two things, sends him out, gets him to pick a target, a young woman, and create this fantasy story in his head in order to just kill this woman. And that's the other big twist, by the way, which is the woman that he is trying to protect, the, the daughter of Eric Roberts, he straight up kills an hour into the movie as well. Uh, so making really the entire first hour completely goddamn useless in this movie. Are we getting the details wrong here, Alan? What do you think so far? The, the, the twist, he's, he's got like a fight club thing going on. He's been fighting yeah. himself for an hour. I think that's, yeah, he's just descended into this fantasy world that he's using to excuse... Uh, that's his sort of cognitive dissonance uh, as he's stalking and abducting fourteen-year-old uh, girls. What is Pat Morita's deal? He's a bad th- guy, is he? I don't think so. I, I okay. think he's. Ju- I think he's just the manager of the um, of the art gallery. That and he's just incorporated is. him into the fantasy. He's in. He's the daddy figure in the fantasy. That's right? okay. That's what I'm saying. I don't think the Pat Morita part is real. Yeah. I think his Pat Morita is just his boss or something. Okay. And, and I think, that it, well, they do a thing with his accents too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think um, all that stuff that he was seeing Pat Morita telling him weird shit, that was also in his head. He just kills people. Okay. okay. But, but what about the part where we just see Pat Morita giving instruction to Gail Kim's character, something he wasn't a part of? What's that supposed to be? Part of the fantasy. It's all part right. of the fantasy. Because he's also Gail Kim. It's his feminine side. I mean, what it seems to me, Doug, is that they were trying to do one movie, and then that fucking fell apart, and then they came up with this whole other idea, and were like, yo, that's pretty smart. This is better than our first idea. We're really fucking smart, and that's what the movie's about, is how smart they if, are. So. If that's how it worked, if they had to come up with this on the fly, and it was based on like no longer having... Uh, accessibility to like Gail Kim, right? Like one of the main actors in it. And they were like, okay, we still got Alexander Wraith. We can still do stuff. So to make it all fit together, they would have to then find a way for him to have a different enemy, which would end up being himself. That's actually pretty smart and clever. I actually think that this twist was in the script from the beginning. And like yourself, Liam, I think that they thought they were very smart for doing it, but it makes what was already a ponderous movie absolutely unwatchable for the last okay. half hour as we just see this character wrestle with himself and i don't mean have action scenes i mean just like lay in bed and struggle with the reality of a situation before then just repeating the same thing again and you're like oh my god he's gonna kill another 14 year old but guess what this one doesn't have the father sorry this one is not the child of eric roberts so i don't give a fuck about that kid <laughs> there's no stakes <laughs> there's, there's zero stakes for me at least alan i didn't give you a chance to talk about gail kim what do you think about gail kim I I feel bad for her in this yes. position. Um, I think we've seen it before, but like lower budget movies will try to cast act, uh, wrestlers because they at least have some name appeal. If they're doing an action type movie, odds are the building blocks are there to do it. And a lot of the times wrestlers are into the idea of transitioning into an acting career. So it's, you know, that, that kind of works out, but this is a really good example of a filmmaker not knowing what to do with a wrestler. Because they kind of squander definitely, everything that's good about her. He definitely has because of her wrestling, right? Because she does wrestling things in the yep. movie. She literally does a Hurricane Rana, I believe, at one point. Maybe two right. times. But the thing with the like wrestling acting compared to like real acting... Uh, is that a lot of it is sort of physical presence and movement stature 
tell uh, communicating an idea through the body and the way the body yes, works absolutely and in this film she's covered up most of the time mm-hmm. shot like there was must have been like 40 minutes before she's her entire body is in one frame and it's just like close-ups of a mouth close-ups of hands shroudy stuff like you're squandering the best reason to have hired her in the first place and explain that explain that because i don't want anyone to get the wrong impression here what you're saying is her physicality is part of what makes her appropriate for this role right she's a professional wrestler she is playing a a professional killer playing a professional killer and she comes off as being very weak in the movie because she doesn't you never get the sense of her physicality well, no, she backs pipe fights people from the shadows and like yeah. does, you know, weird like things off screen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, literally, you could have hired anyone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, Except for the part where she gets powerbombed through a table, which hmm. is probably the highlight of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Alan. I felt bad for her I, because she doesn't get a chance to even try. Right. She, mm-hmm. she gets every line is whispered nonsense. Uh, she doesn't get to, to be part of any really cool fight scenes. And then we find out later when she morphs into the ground <laughs> that that she doesn't even really oh. exist the entire time. It kind of feels like it sh- she should have been the Alexander Wraith character, right? At least then, it, it, yeah. it, I mean, that is a little bit of an interesting spin at the very least. She, it's weird that they end up using her on all the marketing and not him at all. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was, the you know, at, at that level, the biggest name, like, and in terms of like you imagine crossover audience between like wrestling fan, action movie fan. Liam, what was the highlight of this movie? What was the best part of them? I don't want to be just too down on it. Eric Roberts hair. Yeah, Eric Roberts <laughs> hair is magnificent. Very much mid-2000s uh, Eric Roberts era. I was going to say, like this. what year did this film actually come out? 2009. 2009. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. When When he comes on the screen, I thought... What era of Eric are we even in right now? Because the the copy I was watching was falsely marked as 2017, which I knew <laughs> could not be real. Could not fucking be real at all. Just uh, a reminder, by the way, Liam, that The Dark Knight came out in 2008, so the year before this was released. But it gives you a sense of where Eric Roberts' hair was in 2008 compared to when this was released. Sure, 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 sure. Well, regardless... The hair looked amazing in the movie. He, uh, you know, we'll get into his performance, but I just love the hair. Uh, was there anything else? Good? <laughs> oh, uh, either 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 the main character or uh, his alternate persona kills a bunch of cops. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Those are the th- those are the highlights of the movie. By the way, what I was saying earlier about how Pat Marina and Eric Roberts do not interact with the other cast members, that includes Eric Roberts and his own daughter in this movie. The whole idea is that he's supposed to be very protective over his daughter, uh, Jan, and we I don't think we ever see them talk to each other or share any moment. Like, we see him look at her through a window and things like that, but they never actually have a conversation. That kind of hurts the whole father-daughter relationship. Alan, over to you. We got we to gotta come up with some positive things to say about Royal Kill. What's the most positive thing you can come up with? Oh God! Uh, I know. Mm-hmm. This is being put uh, on the spot. I need some runes or something too. Uh, <laughs> I, I laughed hysterically at the uh, the meeting place at the National Cathedral mm. in Washington. I th- thought that was it. Oh, okay, yeah that that's a place that exists. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so the I'm, fact that you found that amusing is the best part of the movie. The fact that they, well, yeah, that they just invented a a church structure that in no way possible would be a thing. I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, well, I don't want to say that you're both wrong, but you are both wrong. The best thing about this movie is that it has a gigantic explosion in it. There's a part oh, where from Lethal Weapon <laughs> Three. <laughs> There's a part I was watching it and I'm like. Uh, like all the action in this is is frankly just bad. It's just it it it's poorly done. All the muzzle flashes are uh, added in post. The 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 actual physicality is all shot in close up, so it's not even like you get martial arts scenes that are interesting. It's all really bad. And then suddenly there's a gigantic, huge, expensive-looking explosion, and my mind was blown. And then I thought about it for two seconds, and I was like, wow, I wonder where they stole that footage from. And the answer, as Liam has already alluded to, was from Lethal Weapon 3, which has a very notable explosion. Well, that appears again in Royal Kill. The highlight of this movie is a clip from another movie. <laughs> well, and it's used multiple times. Like, you know, you'll see an explosion in a movie, and they'll show you a couple of angles. But, like, when it's an explosion from a different movie... Why do we need five shots of the explosion, right? Like you uh, didn't to make even it linger do the as long explosion. as possible, Liam, and I was happy that they did it because it just kept us from having to go back to the actual movie. Quick note, because I don't want anyone to add Alan. Uh, the National Cathedral is a real place, and they do film in there. Though I think the room where he talks to the maid is not at the actual National Cathedral. What? Yeah, I, in fact, when you said it, I kind of lost my mind for a little bit that you don't know what that is. But then I remember yeah. you guys are Canadian, so of course yeah. you know. But, okay, so, oh, sorry, side quest. What denomination is that? Who fucking cares, man? It's just a thing. There's all kinds <laughs> of weird... That's why you said side fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Cathedral Church of St. Peter and St. Paul in the city and diocese of Washington, but it's also commonly known as the Washington National Cathedral or the National Cathedral. Okay, so it's slang and that's what it looks like. They filmed gotcha. in there. That's where they were filming, which is, by the way, why they don't do much of anything while they're in there because I don't think they would let you film like an action scene in that fucking thing. But when when he no worries talks, there <laughs> when he talks to the maid, I don't know if that's supposed to be the chapel because I've I, I've been to the National Cathedral, but I don't think I did anything but just look at the outside. I don't think I went in, so I don't know personally if that's the chapel that they film in because that's a longer scene so i kind of suspect that that scene they filmed in a different church that was less public it was easier to film in than the national cathedral i don't think they would let them do something that much in there you know so they probably used it for uh, uh, like the external shots and then they probably had a different one for the internal well the internal when he's walking through doing nothing that's the national cathedral you okay can see pictures on google but then he goes into a whole different part of the church to talk to the maid right who doesn't exist by the way so that whole scene was a waste of time uh, and that I don't know if that's the National Cathedral or well, not. Because if it was, that's a long fucking scene that he let them film in what is. I mean, the National Cathedral has church services, but for the most part, it's only there for tourists to go check it out because it's big and pretty or whatever. It's kind of like, you know, if you go to Princeton or Duke or any of these universities, universities, they all have big chapels that look like giant medieval churches, uh, but they don't do much in those places other than tourists go in and take pictures and then they'll have like a Sunday service, but they don't do much other stuff in those spaces. What if I was to tell the both of you that one of the IMDB trivia notes about this movie is that it's based on real life events. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That is what it says based on real life events. When it says that Alan, how can you square that with the reality that we all live in? Uh, 
at some point in time, somebody was stalked by a guy who was a security guard in Bethesda. Hey, you know what? That's possible. That's close enough to reality. Hey, it's at least as close to reality as The Conjuring was. So, I mean, that's something. I think it's based on events in that whenever Eric Roberts buys milk, he walks down the middle of the street instead of walking down the sidewalk. (laughs) Which is, by the way, the other part of this movie so ridiculous is this. He does this slow walk down the street with his groceries. Is he supposed to be drunk in that? Why is he walking so lackadaisically down the exact middle of the street? And then he's being followed by this killer guy whose like stealthy action is he's just standing by a tree. It's not mm. even like a big tree. Like it doesn't hide him or anything. He's just like, I'm a good 10 feet away. I'm sure he doesn't know I'm here. Eric Roberts walking around with groceries. I think he's just upset, right? Because he knows he has to tell his daughter that she is royalty and there's someone trying to kill her. Yeah. Oh, but wait a minute. But that didn't he happen. He doesn't, though. That, yeah, that's right. She's that not. Happen. She's not, and uh, he actually didn't have to tell her anything. Maybe and... he's walking around like that because <laughs> the <laughs> idealized fantasy of Adam. So, sorry that's to interrupt, how his father just, appeared. I just remember something. Remember that scene early on where his daughter has a friend who's smoking in front of her, and she's like, yes. what are you doing? Why the fuck is that in the movie? W- why is the bit where the her would-be boyfriend was going to come over and hang out, but then he's canceled his plans. Why was that in the movie? Uh, Why does she go to sleep listening to public radio? Like, how many fucking 14, 15-year-olds are like, you know what, I got to put the new, I got to put the news update from public radio on. I need to hear that right away. I like the part where they establish she's preternaturally talented at playing various ball games. Because the way that tied into the end. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Never does. She never never has anything to do with anything. (laughs) Gail Kim's head or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now that I think about it, a lot of the setup makes even less sense than I was really considering before. But what makes sense? This is my this is why my theory that they changed directions midway through filming. I think the twist was always in there, but I do think that there was some sort of switch. It's also weird that they this actress who plays the daughter was you know she is a fairly recognizable to people at that time period. So to have her just killed by having her neck snapped by the lead character, that just seems like an... And the way that that is played out in the movie is strange, too, where he's just kind of holding her head. It's just very... It's bizarre. But what isn't bizarre is the hair of Eric Roberts, one of the starring uh, uh, features of, of Royal Kill. Let's talk about Eric Roberts and his performance as Dad in this movie outside of his hair, outside of his ability to walk in the middle of the street while carrying groceries. What did you think of Eric Rauer's performance? Starting with you, our guest, Alan. I, I liked seeing him on screen. I liked seeing him kind of struggle to come off as like a sweet, caring dad when he's saying some lines that could be really creepy when he's <laughs> how, talking how to do his you mean? daughter. Oh, just commenting on his daughter being naked and looking at the bruise on her leg, which is, guess, not a bruise. It's a birthmark. But mm-hmm. it really kind of had me thinking that this was going to go in a really dark direction for a little while. And I'm glad that didn't happen. But he, he, he did at least kind of come off as tender. Um, <laughs> he was He has a conversation with his friend about balding. Yeah. And yeah, Star Trek. Uh, and Star Trek. <laughs> I, I, wow, that slipped my mind completely. You're right. <laughs> That was probably the best scene. Now that I think of it, that was probably the best thing. <laughs> There's just it, his introduction is him talking to his friend about why in the future that people are allowed to go bald. Which, by the way, my understanding is that that was a conversation that Gene Roddenberry initially happened had because uh, there are famous pictures of of um, Patrick Stewart wearing a hairpiece. 
uh, initially when he was going to play Captain Picard. What do you think about that, Alan? Captain Picard with a hairpiece. I think it's good that we've moved on from the idea that this sort of body conformity normativity is not part of utopia. Right. That we can have this luxury space communism without feeling the need that everything that's different about people is a problem and it needs to be right. corrected. The, right. The real luxury space communism is the ability to go bald and still have people think you're sexy, which is what happened with Patrick Stewart. People think he's mm -hmm. sexy. It all worked out. It's like we have a little bit of Star Trek in our own lives. Liam, Eric Roberts, what did you think of his performance in Royal Kill? He was fine. Was he believable as a dad? Because, you know, Eric Roberts uh, notoriously is a father. He, but he doesn't do anything. Like, this is the problem. Carries the groceries. Movie. He carries groceries. He plays chess poorly. He has a conversation that feels not real in any way, shape, or form. Did, did we mention, by the way, Liam, that he gets killed off in the first 20 minutes? Yeah, and then he gets hit oh. by a fire <laughs> poker thing. And, uh, and, and we don't even see it happen. We just see him fall over, and then there's blood on the chess set. And we just sort of guess what happened to him. No, I mean, look... I'm not going to say he's bad, especially considering the bar that the rest of the movie fucking sets. But I mean, you know, yeah, he's better than the kid next door who for some reason doesn't have a shirt on and his boxers are out. Like, yeah, I guess he's better than that. Cool. He's <laughs> okay, better put him the, head to head with Pat Morita. He's better. Yeah. Th he's better than the cops who like couldn't figure out how to tuck their shirts in their fake cop shirts in properly. Like, yeah, cool. He's better than that. But like compared to uh, let's put it this way performance wise we've seen worse eric roberts performances but we've certainly seen better than this it's just were you thinking after school special just then? <laughs> exactly uh this is just mid man he's there he's doing his thing but the movie doesn't ask him to do anything that's interesting so it's just sort of like i'm glad it's eric roberts i guess but i kind of wish he wasn't in this movie overall is he better or worse than pat Morita in this movie better you think Pat Morita does not do a great job? Not really, no. Who knows what the fuck he's talking about for most of the movie? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, again, it's not Pat Morita's fault. He's not asked to do any, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 one of those things where I have trouble evaluating either one of their performances because what, what are they ever asked? I mean, yeah, Pat Morita says a couple of nonsensical things in a way that I guess is sassy. That's the other thing. He's not even menacing when he says those things. He's kind of sassing them like, ah, I'm not going to wait for you, buddy. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why is your imagined father figure so sassy to you? I don't understand what's happening. He's even sassy to his employees when they're sick and have to take some time off from work. Yeah, and they show up weird. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh I am going to come down on the side of Eric Roberts being perfectly fine in Royal Kill. Uh, it is a very thankless performance, especially because I don't know if he encountered any of the other cast members, the lead cast members. I don't know if he spent any time. I would figure, and maybe I can get your thoughts on this, that Eric Roberts filmed for a maximum of two days. What do you think, Liam? You're being generous. Do you think it might be one day? Yes. Pat Morita one day for sure. But you think maybe just one day for Eric Roberts? I think not only did he only film one day, he didn't even have a costume change. That was just the That's outfit right. he came yeah. in. It might be might be the case. That does look like uh, Eric Roberts' gear for sure. I mean, yes, there's a lot of setup and shit for movies in general. But he's still only present for seven minutes of film at the mm -hmm. most, maybe six. And so, like, 
yeah, they could get that done in a day. He's a professional, man. Like, they told him what to say before they put the, turned the camera on, and he was good to go. Wait, is that how movies work? <laughs> For one day of shooting with Eric Roberts? Yeah, fuck it is, man. How about you, Alan? Do you think uh, one or two days or more? Oh, I, yeah, I would be in the one day, Mark. Mm, yeah. Before we finish up, and I ask you whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in this, I want you, Alan, to tell me how much do you think Royal Kill cost to make? Oh. I have a figure, which is, I, I imagine, somewhat accurate, but I have a number. What do you think it cost? Oh, dear. Let's say There's a lot of computer a half, effects in it. Three and a half mil? Hmm, interesting. Over to you, Liam. What do you think it cost? Uh, five mil. The budget I have seen for Royal Kill is $350,000. Wow. All right. Does okay. that change your opinion for better or for worse in regards to this movie? <laughs> for, maybe for worse, because I think there there were at least some exterior shots. There were some of those like helicopter shots and stuff at the beginning. And that just makes me think that somebody got ripped off of their stock footage. Yeah. Like oh. somebody got screwed and didn't get paid. Yeah, right. I mean, honestly... <laughs> You're already taking, they could have at least done a, even an Albert Pune style patch job where they stole more footage from more movies. That at least would have made it, you know, you could probably add a lot of production value that way, but instead it just feels like something very much stitched together and not necessarily uh, in a good way. I need to ask you both in the film Royal Kill from the year 2009, is Eric Roberts the fucking man or not? Starting with our guest today, Alan McPherson. Alan, fucking man or no? I'm going to have to give him a fucking man. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm surprised I, to hear it. You didn't seem so high on the performance. Oh, no, no. That was just, uh, I mean, I wasn't, but levels, levels ahead of everything else. <laughs> he's still the best performer in the entire movie, even if he's he actually not doing that well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but points for him for trying. Like, it would have been so easy to not try to do anything. Well, I don't know if he was even trying that hard, but that's just you can you can still get a good performance even when he's not trying is what we found on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man show. Liam, I know you're feeling a little negative about Royal Kill overall. Do you think Eric Roberts is the fucking man in it? Yeah, but mostly just because of the hair. Yes, the hair. Uh, it really kind of uh, buoys his performance, don't you think? It really brings an extra level like how his hair has levels. Yeah, I think that's true. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I'm going to complete that trinity there and say Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2009's Royal Kill, which is currently streaming uh, for free with ads on the Tubi streaming platform. You can watch and tell us your own thoughts over at the Eric Roberts is the fucking man website or over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Why don't you leave us a, uh, a note on there telling us if you thought Royal Kill was better or worse than we did. Alan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to... Talk to us about a terrible Eric Roberts movie on this episode of Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Is there any place that you can be found online? Is there anything you want to plug while you're here? No, I can't really be found anywhere. And I don't really need to plug anything. I'm not promoting anything right now. How about the province of Nova Scotia? Sure. Yes. Come swing by the pro- the province of Nova Scotia. And if you call me ahead of time, maybe we can have a cookout in the backyard. Alan will buy you a Halifax Donair. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about it for hours. 
I spent some time in Nova Scotia. I liked it very much, though I have to say that when I refer to Nova Scotia in my everyday life, I call it fake Newfoundland. Over to Liam O'Donnell. Sure. Liam, <laughs> what have you been up to recently? Where, where can people find you online? Well, of course, they can find not just the latest episodes of this show, but a whole bunch of shows, some of which I'm even on, at Cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com, uh, as well as some writing and merch and things like that. Uh, and, of course, they can not only check out Eric Roberts' Is the Fucking Man Redux, but all the different topics we cover, Doug, together on this wonderful journey through cinema over at mm-hmm. cinemasmorgasborg.com. Com. Uh, this show, as well as Joe Dawowski and uh, Praising Kane and uh, How Do You Do Fellow Kids and uh, Cinema Fantastica and a bunch of stuff that we do. Yeah, including further reading, our Oliver Reed podcast, yep. all over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. You can follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. You can no longer follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y because I have been suspended permanently from the Twitter platform. But if you do want to get in touch with me and see my tweets, they're still available at the Cinema Smorgasbord Twitter account at cinemasmorg. That's S-M-O-R-G. I know, Liam, that we're both on some of the competing social media uh, such as uh, Blue Sky and Threads, but we're going to probably hold off on telling people our presence on that until one of them wins the war, the social media war, Liam. I agree. <laughs> but yes, go over to cinemasmorgasbord.com or why don't you leave us a review for uh, Cinema Smorgasbord on your podcast provider of choice or even better, why don't you tell a friend or even better than that, tell do both of them. Leave the review and tell a friend. Every little bit helps. But for now, we need to close up the Eric Roberts bag. We're going to be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everyone. Night, night. Just go ahead now